Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS youth ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Keeslin and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about partnering with parents in youth ministry. A few summers ago, we did a survey of youth leaders. We wanted to hear what was going on in a variety of youth ministries. And one of the things we heard consistently was that they hoped they could have better connections, support, and relationships with parents of teens. We wanted to do a series that talks about how youth leaders and parents can work together to support the teens they care for. Right. Berna did research in 2017 and looked at parents and compared them to youth leaders and, and pastors and congregations. And, and they found that only one in six senior pastors believed that getting parents involved with spiritual formation was the top goal wow. of youth ministry. Yeah. Now, I can understand maybe not being the top one, but certainly down there pretty low. We did see a higher number. Uh, a quarter of youth leaders said that it was a priority. Mark, what do those numbers make you think? And how, how might that impact youth ministry when we're not always prioritizing partnering with parents? Right. Yeah. I'd be curious like how that plays into if they talked about maybe children's ministry or other things like that. If those numbers would have been different if they're seeing, you know, youth may be becoming more independent. And so maybe thinking parents have a different role, but I love to see those numbers higher. Isn't that huge time right. of adolescents preparing for transitions? We want to help parents. The role might look different, but to really be invested in their the, the young people. I mean, really see the home, again, being that primary place for faith support. And the parents are given that wonderful responsibility to raise their children in the faith. Um, so we'll talk about how we can partner with them to do that. I mean, I just think of in our own you know, Lutheran world, I think we've always really focused on that. We think of yeah. just yeah. in the small catechism, Luther would have his little line about the head of the household should teach them in the simple ways of the household, the, the meaning of the catechism and God's word. So I think it's always something that we've want to equip parents to equip parents for and encourage them to be a part of the lives of their young people in that way. Yeah, and you're always going to have parents who are going to feel maybe uncomfortable with mm -hmm, that. You're mm -hmm, going to need yep. to meet them where they're at and help encourage them. And you're also going to have parents who are very on top of that right. and who understand that that role clearly and, and feel confident in, in doing that. Uh, and you're going to have everybody in between. You're going to have people who are going to communicate well with you and, and ones that you're going to struggle to communicate mm -hmm. with. And so that's why I think part of why this series is so important for us is to be able to identify where you can find some successes and, and where you might find some pitfalls in in making that rise up the level of, of priority in your youth ministry. So to talk more about partnering with parents, we're going to talk to DCE Blake Brockman. Blake is the Director of Youth and Family Ministry at Peace Lutheran in Antigo, Wisconsin. He writes for the Youth eSource regularly, presented about engaged parents at our uh, National Lutheran Youth Workers Conference this past summer in Houston. He loves his wife, Hannah, sports and being creative with writing and his YouTube channel, Blake loves to learn and teach practical ways to walk with God. Thanks for joining us today, Blake. Hey, thanks for having me on. So we got to hear about you briefly in the intro, but tell us something more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry and other things that bring you joy. Sure. So <clears throat> as we were talking, you know, before we hit record, I am technically a middle child. <laughs> so like I'm a brother, I have two older siblings, Burgundy and Brandon. So Burgundy is my oldest sister, my older sister. She's going to be 30 in May. Probably shouldn't say that, but <laughs> I was gonna say, then, you're going to age your, your siblings on the podcast. Yeah. My older brother, Brandon is 29, I think. No, he's 28 because <laughs> I'm going to be 27. And then I have a younger brother named Brennan who is technically my stepbrother. And then I have two half siblings that are going to be 14 this summer. And their names are Brady and Brayden. 
So there are six children, all with the first letter B. So that Love is that. <laughs> a lot of fun uh, for my parents. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a son. Uh, I have four parents. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was in like the fifth grade around there and are remarried. And my mom has, you know, my, my younger siblings with my stepdad. But we just call each other siblings. Like we don't like to throw terms like stepbrother or half brother around. Like you're just my brother. You're my sister. This awesome. is how it works for us. But yeah, as you said, I have a wife, Hannah. She's pretty cool. She's pretty. We've been married for about three years now. And, you know, people always ask us, like, how is married life? And it's like, man, I highly recommend it. <laughs> like, yeah. that's there's nothing else you can say. But, yeah, I serve my home church in terms of, like, my job vocation. I've been here for about five years and do, like, ministry for families with, like, essentially birth through, like, mostly high school. So, like, children's ministry, which we call family ministry, which we'll probably dive into and then we have a senior high youth group. We started a junior high youth group when I was here. And then like, whatever my pastor wants me to do, <laughs> I have the blessing of doing that at times. So okay, a typical DC. Yeah, right. Yes. Very, very much like a general, you know, run of the, I don't want to say run of the mill, but you know, classic DCE Thanks. position. <laughs> yeah. One of the things we love to hear from youth ministry leaders is about their junior and senior high youth, uh, high school years. And, and you're unique in that you are serving at the <laughs> congregation you grew up in. Uh, can yeah. you share for us how Jesus used a key moment or moments or even people to keep or bring you closer to him in the church? Sure. So this might be long-winded, but when I was in junior high, we did not have like junior high ministry, junior high youth group did not really exist. We had confirmation and that was it. And so I went to the public school. And so confirmation for me looked like coming to church on Wednesdays during the school week after school and having confirmation class. And then the occasional confirmation lock-in where kids from our school, because we are a church school and now we're a childcare as well, where the kids from the school would come in and we would have a little lock-in. The local camp would come down and lead us in some games and songs. But I did not much care for confirmation. <laughs> and as a seventh grader, I almost didn't like go on to eighth grade confirmation. My last day of seventh grade, I came into our associate pastor's office. I did like four tests and 30 some memory works on my last day of seventh grade. Otherwise I wasn't going to, you know, move on or get confirmed. And so then I took it a little more seriously in eighth grade. Cause I was like, that is not how I want to spend like my first hours of summer is in my pastor's office. And so, I, I mean, I took it more seriously. I, you know, was confirmed, but I didn't have the right heart. And that kind of carried over into senior high youth group where, you know, my older sister was a senior and my older brother was a sophomore. And I went to youth group because I had to. Like, they either picked me up from football or my brother was playing basketball at the time with me and we would get picked up and we'd go to youth group. But it did not matter to me. Like, I had the opportunity to go on the youth gathering in 2010. And didn't know about it, didn't have, had no idea what the youth gathering was. And when my siblings said, hey, you're going to come on the youth gathering with us, I said, no. <laughs> the last thing that I want to do is go somewhere with church. Thankfully, through certainly the power of God and some key people that changed. So like I had some really key youth leaders, but Steve Wilsinski, who we called Super Steve because no one could pronounce his last name at the time, who is now in Alaska. But wow. he was like the main volunteer youth leader when I was a kid. And I remember as a sophomore, I was not having a good time, um, you know, in life in general. And I think he noticed that because I was 
I was always kind of quiet at that point in terms of like, you know, talking with the adult leaders and doing that stuff. But he came over like, like we have a big gym because of our school and it's right connected to our youth room. So my friends were in the gym and I had just come from basketball practice, didn't want to play in the gym. And I was like pretending to do my homework and I was probably looking really angry. And he came over and he sat with me and just like, like he knew some of the things that were happening in, in my life, my family's lives and just tried to talk with me. And I just tried to shut it down. <laughs> like, don't talk to me, Steve, without saying that. And he continued to just talk with me and it like started getting on my nerves. But eventually, like he had to lead the devotion time. And when he got up, he was like, OK, Blake, like I need you to know that I love you and I care for you and I'm always here for you. And I thought that is a weird thing for a 50 some year old adult to say that I only know from church. And that night we read somewhere in Luke. I did not pay attention during the Bible study, but we had to have a Bible with us. So I held my Bible and I actually was reading in Luke. I read Luke 18, 9 through 14, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And just like, I remember like, that's when it really clicked that God loves me and has put people in my life that love me. Hmm. And, you know, from that point, like I started hanging out with my pastor's two kids, two sons, John and Josh, who are two of my closest friends still today. And I always tell them they, they sometimes think I'm joking, but my life would probably be totally different if it wasn't for them. Definitely. If it wasn't for Steve or like uh, a youth leader named Joni, who has helped been to youth gatherings and has been a volunteer at some youth gatherings now too. Like if it weren't for them, my life would have changed or like would be totally different. But I served in church. I was an usher and I actually started ushering because my stepdad and my older brother made me. And then <laughs> once, <laughs> once my, my fame, like, or once, once my faith started to be like, actually started to resonate with me, started to matter. I actually, that like ushering is a once a, or every other month commitment at our church. And my friends just so happened to usher on Saturdays. The, the month opposite when I ushered. So I would start ushering with them because I could hang out at their house before church, during church. And then after church, I got free lunch or free dinner, you know, and it, it was great. Like it showed me the importance of, of serving, went to the youth gathering, all that stuff. And the youth gathering probably changed my life the most in terms of I was going to be a gym teacher. And that was probably where it really started to click that, hey, you can like serve God and be paid for it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be just a volunteer basis. Like you can, you can do this for your entire life. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's so again, I went from being probably like on the fringe of not being a Christian, maybe even an at risk youth to, I guess the total opposite, I guess. Yeah. Love to hear the story of the presence of supportive adults and peers, loving peers, Maybe food, importance of food and youth ministry too. You know, free, free dinners are good, and that opportunity to serve too. Sometimes maybe voluntold, but yet yes, what service right. allows to do to create relationships within the the, the household of faith. I love to hear that. Well, you know, we're obviously talking about parents and a series here on 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 the podcast um, about that opportunity we have to partner with parents. So we brought you on to talk about what you do at, at your congregation, and certainly just one of the great some of the great resources you have. So, what do you love about working with young people and their parents? and your congregation and your community. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to love because it's my hometown and my home church. <laughs> yeah. um, I think something that, like, I think every DCE cares about where they are or like church worker, pastor cares about where they are. Every volunteer cares about where they are. But like for me, 
I have a little bit more skin in the game because like this is the community that I grew up in, that I raised in. Like this is my first call, so I don't know it any other way. And it makes it easier like with pre-existing relationships that I had. And then it's easier to root for the kids' sports teams (laughs) and club teams. And like I know where everything is. I didn't have to look up where the high school was or anything like that. But I, even though it is my like, I don't know, one of the struggles that we've run into in the last five years is having to like change things ministry wise because the world is changing really quickly and that has been hard certainly or difficult but it has also been a blessing i think of doing ministry in your hometown trying to move things forward in terms of like getting more families involved and like getting parents more involved whereas like when i was a kid like for example, confirmation. I, I brought myself to confirmation. Mm-hmm. I did my own homework for confirmation. Mm-hmm. I was the prime mover other than my pastor or pastors at the time in DCE that, you know, I, my parents made sure that I did my confirmation homework, but it was like, hey, Blake, did you do your confirmation homework? And I said, yes. And that was a lie, you know, whereas now like trying to get families a lot more involved mm-hmm. is is a lot of fun for me. I mean, it is difficult, but it is mostly fun and enjoyable. Yeah. It brings, brings some joy. Yeah. So one of the things that we uh, want engaged parents to do, and we talked about this in our last episode is sort of be an expert in their youth and the culture their youth engaged in. How might you partner with parents to learn about their youth? And then how might you help parents understand youth culture? Yeah, I think, I think you just need to do it. I think, Cause like, I guess I'll use my personal example. Like I started here at the ripe old age of 22 and it was like, Hey, you're going to start family ministry here. You're going to change things from children's ministry to family ministry. Even though you don't have kids not married at the time, you're going to do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. And it was just like, you have to do it. (laughs) You know, you just have to start. And so I think you have to talk with parents, um, Because like, as you guys mentioned, not every parent is comfortable doing everything. Some parents are very strong in one way and not so strong in the other. And so you have to kind of get all of that knowledge so that then you can provide things that meet everyone, hopefully where, where they are. And I think a big part of that, at least for us here is, is teaching them and reminding them. So like helping them feel confident in the calling that God's given them in, in Deuteronomy 6 and throughout Scripture, that they are the, you know, other than God, <laughs> they are the prime mover of their child's faith and faith development. We try to help remind parents that they can do this, that, you know, they have that Deuteronomy 6 calling and also try to teach them. Like we have a lot in our context with our school and child care, like probably 50% of the school and probably more than 50% of the childcare is unchurched or hasn't attended church in maybe a long time and don't know that they have this calling or that they have the ability that God gives them that ability. So, you know, doing that, those kind of things with resources, you know, we have a family life podcast where we try to answer questions for parents. Hmm. Like right now we, we've started a series on social media, the internet technology. And I had actually our pastor's son, John, who is a pastor out in Arizona was on and we, he and I talked about social media and kind of hopefully what some, some hopeful, helpful ways that, that mm-hmm. parents can be taught on social media, ways that they can talk with their kids. I think that's a huge one is helping parents 
know how to talk with their kids in like a non-judgmental way. Uh, providing them discussion questions is something that we've done with like our family ministries, our, our Sunday school confirmation, our family life podcast is giving them questions that they can then ask their children about their faith. Because sometimes people don't think about it. We're busy and it's the last thing we think about. So that's kind of what I guess what we're doing, how we're trying to partner with parents is being the the resource for them to then, you know, live out their their calling and their faith. So you talked about the transitions and listening you've been doing in the last five years as things have changed in the world. I can imagine the last two years specifically, <laughs> some things have changed um, in the pandemic. How has that maybe affected your work with youth or maybe how did it change how you connect and support parents through this time looking to come out of the pandemic, other things along that line? would love to get your feedback on that. Yeah. Like most people, it stopped everything. And some like sometimes I think we talk about that and it's like it stopped everything and that's bad. And in some cases, it certainly has been mm-hmm. difficult, right? Like we had family events planned for the spring of 2020, right? Right. <laughs> that, <laughs> and I got to think about that too. <laughs> oh, that's so long ago that were canceled. And, but we also had ministries that were just kind of limping along. Like the biggest one that I can think of for us here was Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So like when I was a kid here at Peace, in the you know early 2000s, our church was at about 800 people a weekend mm-hmm. attending church. And so Sunday school was like 100 kids. Every individual grade had their own teacher. There weren't combined grades, anything like that for Sunday school. There were enough volunteers to do that. And through time, you know, by the time that I started here five years ago, Sunday school, for at that, at that point, we were about 500 a weekend in worship. Mm-hmm. And Sunday school was maybe 15 kids. And it was like, you know, trying to restart Sunday school, trying to do the old method of you have your teacher, you drop your kids off and parents go do whatever they need to do or whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that was frustrating for me on a few levels, but it was like, well, now we have this kind of like, I don't want to say excuse, but this beautiful opportunity to change things and make it align more with like, we have a very specific vision statement at our church, which is peace will nurture and educate families in our community, beginning with children so that they live abundant lives in Christ. And it was like, how can we change Sunday school to fit this vision better? And it was like, oh, family Sunday school. We're going to mm-hmm. do it twice a month where we're going to come and sing songs and do a little craft and have a little lesson. Sing more songs, sing more songs, sing more songs. <laughs> and then you're going to go. And it's going to be really quick and, and whatever. And it's only going to be like 45 minutes to an hour. And then you're going to go and you're going to either go home if you came to the first service or go to the second service. And we certainly tried things during the pandemic that worked, I think, especially at first. And then we learned some things. So like at first we had like, we made a family worship service every week that was 45 minutes or less of a church service, had a confession, absolution, whatever that was pre-recorded for families so that like, cause like it's hard to have kids in church in general, <laughs> but then to have to watch church at home, it was like, okay, how can we speak? And we made like silly songs with Mr. Brockman where I just got in front of a camera, recorded myself playing a song, and then recorded myself doing the actions for like, I just want to be a sheep or Jesus loves me and songs like that to give parents a break. So that's something that we learned is like providing people things that 
they can do at their pace, at their speed in today's world, I think is, is huge. And I also realized, we also realized that like sometimes less is more. I think something that we heard a lot during the pandemic and even still now is that people feel really busy. And when we, like we had, our church normally has like a huge Palm Sunday fair on Palm Sunday for kids with activities and stuff. And we made a take home Palm Sunday fair kit and we were like so jazzed up about it. And then we had families let us know that like they got it and it just sat there because they had homework, they had work and they felt terrible that they, like we had people tell us they felt bad for taking it and not using it. And we had people feel bad for not taking it because they were so overwhelmed with what was going on. And so it was like, wow, okay, maybe we can do a little bit less. And so like right now for, in terms of children's ministry, we have family Sunday school. We're Still, like we did family VBS, Vacation Bible School this year, where parents came with the kids and it was essentially what we do for Sunday school, just a little longer with mm-hmm. a snack time. You know, those are really it. And then providing a family life podcast. You know, we still do youth group and whatnot and partner with parents in, in those ways with, you know, adult leaders and having people bring food donations and whatnot. But the pandemic has really helped us move forward into the 21st century and the 2022 years, you know, with some gusto. Thankfully, nobody has been able to <laughs> be upset about it, which happens from time to time because change is difficult. And I understand right. that, that change is really hard sometimes. So, Well, change is hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's always <laughs> going to be the case. But I also think there is, I think parents are feeling overwhelmed now. They were probably feeling overwhelmed before. And that's just mm-hmm. really brought that to the surface. And they're always, I feel like parents are in a situation where they're always being asked to add more, to add more, to do more, to, I mean, there's such a high level of expectation and it, it's a hard balance to say, yes, we, we need you to prioritize faith development for your child. It is of the most importance for them. And yet at the same time, not feel like you're demanding something from them that they can't, uh, meet, right? So giving them so much, they feel uh, disappointed and sad and and kind of disconnect because that's that's not an easy thing to do. So I think it does sometimes feel like uh, parents and youth leaders can be at odds with different priorities. You feel at odds about, hey, I I did this huge take home thing and then nobody did it. And as, as a leader, that can feel a little uh, disappointing. But so maybe how are some ways that you've seen at work that you can keep in touch and listen to parents along the way? Yeah, I think, again, you have to ask questions. I'm not afraid to ask questions of my pastor, probably annoys him sometimes, <laughs> where I just walk in and ask him a question because I, I want to know the answer. But I think especially with with families and nowadays too, like, Asking them what they're up to. Like, yeah, what what clubs are you still in now? What what are you still doing? How are your kids still active? Did your like we had a bunch of youth get jobs during the pandemic? Yeah. And it was yeah. like, oh, when does your youth work? Where do they work? Where can I go see them? Right? Are they working at Culver's? Oh no, they're working at Menards. Okay, I can go to Menards. <laughs> I can go to Fleet Farm. I can go to these places and see your kid at work and have a conversation with them while they're working. But just asking them those questions, trying to figure And it's not like you do need, like having a motive is good at times. Sometimes you just need to ask questions just to be personable with them. And when you ask questions, something that, you know, my pastor has really helped me with is like understanding the different situations that families are in and have been in, you know, like we, we changed our confirmation ministry when I, in my second year here 
to be more family inclusive. All the classes meet like school and non-school families meet on Sundays between our church services twice a month. And there were families that had like split custody. And mm-hmm. so they weren't with the parent that was a member of church every week. They weren't, or every weekend, they they weren't, um, you know, in town because they were with that parent that wasn't a member. And so it's like, okay, how can we listen to that and make a few concessions <laughs> for that is, you know, is, is huge. I think understanding and not being defensive too is huge. Like mm-hmm. I got kind of defensive when we changed confirmation and people didn't like it because it was like, oh, I poured my heart and soul into this. I tried to yeah. make it so helpful for you as a parent to live out this calling. And some parents were just uncomfortable. And it was like, I didn't understand that. And that's again, where it's like young kid straight out of college, you know, has all this head knowledge, but doesn't understand <laughs> that people are busy, that, that not everyone is me. Um, so, you know, when you ask those questions, if you don't like the answer, or maybe they say something that maybe cuts at the heart a little bit is like not being defensive, just saying like, okay, thank you for this <laughs> information and, and processing that in a good way. I think also getting like teams together, like if you have a group of adult leaders for your youth group, you should meet with them regularly and ask them how they think things are going. Ask them how things are going at school. I just ask our senior high kids that nowadays, like there are some wild things that happen at high schools in, in 2022. And so like once a month, I just sit in front of the youth room, you know, and sit in front of our youth and I say, what's going on at school? Are there any toilets being destroyed this week? Did anybody kick down a stall? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> And they tell me, and I asked their parents the same thing. Like, Hey, you know, I heard that this was happening at school. What, like, what has that been like for you at home? And usually it's not necessarily me trying to give them advice. They like the parent goes on a tangent and that's fine. At least they know that I care and am trying to bridge that gap a little bit, but in like more of a general sense of church for us again, like having a very specific vision has helped us be more in touch with and listen to parents because there is that understanding that, hey, yeah, this is our, our vision is to get families interacting in the faith together. And I mean, that that helps a lot, you know, a little, a little structure for us to mold ministry around, but then also for parents to say, hey, like I've bought into this, I'm going to live this out. So, Well, we certainly love the way, you know, like your congregation is trying to equip parents with tools and help support uh, their faith life at home and as they walk with their teenagers through to be able to ask those good questions, listen well, share the word of God in those contexts. So I have like a, a question to maybe say like, what was the maybe for you that said like, this is important for us in our ministry that we're going to equip parents this way. And then either maybe to hear a little bit more about other things you might do, or if we've got people listening to this saying like, where do I start? Where do I have mm-hmm. that conversation to say, we want to be about equipping parents and giving resources. Love to hear your insight on that. Yeah, I guess the like your first question is the like why we're doing it like that. Yep. So, I mean, there's a long-winded answer, like in the church's sense of yeah. the school was almost going to close at one point mm-hmm. and they had mm-hmm. to go through a revisioning process and, and all of that. For me, in a, like a ministry sense and, and why they brought me on is like, it's my home church and my parents certainly were involved in my faith growing up. My mom was the Sunday school superintendent when that was a thing. And my dad was a vault, like ushered mm-hmm. until... Like my parents got divorced, but my parents still came to church. My mom made meals for youth group when we were in high school. And like they, they were they were involved in some sense in the church. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. 
Mm-hmm. And I think the big changing point, the big tipping point was my first year. I was, I observed confirmation with the, my pastor was like, you're going to observe the year and then you're going to make a change. And, <laughs> you know, 22 year old kid, I was like, great, cool. Sounds fun. And so I observed and we got to the very end of the school year, uh, like Aprilish time where you're starting to get the eighth graders ready for that confirmation weekend. And pastor Dave had a meeting on a Wednesday night where all the, the confirmands and their parents came for eighth grade. And he was like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. If your kid doesn't have their stuff turned in, they're not going to get confirmed because that shows us that they're not ready. And he went through the list of kids that didn't have all their stuff turned in, some of which were in the school and some of which who weren't. And every parent that had a kid on the list did like, the people that are going to listen can't do that, but did they, that or can't, won't be able to see this, but like that sharp turn where they looked at their kid with like these eyes of anger, like you don't have this done. And that for me was eye opening because it was like, wait a minute, we email you constantly. <laughs> We've texted you. We have talked to you in church and you still don't know that kids are doing. And so I got a little frustrated with that. And that's where a lot of that came from. And now it's much more in a grace filled place where it's like, hey, we have this opportunity. Us as a church is going to walk alongside of you through all of this because it is tough. It is hard. I can't imagine what it'll be like for me as a church worker when my wife and I eventually have kids. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't imagine that delicate balance <laughs> quite yet. I'm sure that it's very difficult. So that's kind of the why. What was your second question again? <laughs> I think you've already given us some of the resources you do. So I'm curious oh, if cool. we got yeah. people listening who say like, man, I, I, I want to do that. But like, how would you start mm-hmm. or where would you maybe point someone to start in terms of just making those resources available to parents? Yeah, I think that's a tough answer. Tough question. I mean, for us, it was pretty easy to see the the ministries that needed to change. So like confirmation needed to change, needed to be more inclusive of parents, needed to get them more involved. And so we did that by either they, they either are going to come to class with their kids on Sundays or they're going to do the homework with them. We, we've written the we do sixth, seventh and eighth grade now. And we wrote the curriculum for each grade so that the parents are either asked questions or work alongside of it with their kids. And they can choose one, one or the other, you either come to class or you do it at home. And most choose to do it at home, <laughs> which is fine. Like <laughs> as long as you're engaging in that, that's totally fine. But we saw that as a need, like my pastor told me when I started, this is something that you're like, that needs to change. And then the same thing for Sunday school. It was like, you know, Sunday school is kind of limping along. No one's really engaged in it. So I think that you have to maybe take a little bit of a self inventory on is this actually effective? Is it actually meeting the needs of our church? Is it fulfilling the vision of our church? That was a big thing for us. But then where to start? I mean, you start with those maybe, I don't know, weaker ministries. But if you're a youth leader, like you're a volunteer youth leader hearing this, I think you have to start by having those conversations with parents, Mm -hmm. figuring out what maybe they're comfortable helping out with. Because not every parent's going to be comfortable being at youth group. So maybe they can help you get a meal made if you have food as part of your youth group. Or like when I started here, there was a, a, a couple that they went to the store for me on nights when we don't have a, a, a parent sign up for a meal. We serve pizza and we have soda in our youth room and like snacks and chips and stuff. They would go to the grocery store for me mm-hmm. so that I didn't have to. And so I could do a little bit more office time when a parent is engaged. Like mm-hmm. when a parent donates a meal, we, I make sure to say thank you to so-and-so's parents for bringing this meal 
if you see them, thank them because that's awesome. That's huge. I think you got to kind of celebrate the parents that are involved because then maybe the other parents will hear that and that who doesn't like to be celebrated, <laughs> right? But yeah, having, I think having conversations and see, doing a little bit of self-inventory is where you have to start. Yeah, I love that idea that you gotta constantly be doing that assessment, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're trying to check in, we're doing that assessment. And then we're finding that that priority, that you know, if parents are a priority, then if that's what the goal is, then how do we move from here to there? And, and I mm-hmm. think those conversations are important. I mean, we wanna uh, close off with a, a question and I've heard you talk about this a little bit. How might you support maybe non-traditional families differently than those who have uh, two parents who are active in the church. I've heard you reference that a little bit mm-hmm. that you've managed that. Yeah. I think, again, you need to understand the situation. That doesn't mean you have to like the situation. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have to like that, you know, Johnny's not going to be a confirmation every time you have it because he's with mom or he's with dad who doesn't come to church. But you do, I think we do have to understand as church workers and I think that's the beauty of God, like through scripture, is he works through sinful situations and works through these messy situations throughout the entire Bible. And we are now in this same position where we can work through that situation. So that maybe means making a little bit of a concession, saying, hey, if you're in confirmation every other week because that's when you're with mom or that's when you're with dad or whoever comes to church, great. I think there are also times, something that we've I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is the best thing that, but we, this is what we have done at times is you got to let families maybe work it out a little bit. There are certainly times and places where, you you know, you need to be involved in helping that situation, but there are also times where it really is like out of your hands and where you probably shouldn't get involved. And that's, that is a hard thing (laughs) to figure out. We have made a few mistakes on that. But sometimes that's the best. And then giving support with whatever is, is decided. Like we, when we changed our confirmation program, I know I'm using that as an, a big example, but that's, that's one of the big things that we've changed is we put in there in our philosophy of confirmation ministry that we are going to support parents' decisions. If you decide to pull your child from confirmation, we're going to try and encourage you. We're still going to send you that letter every spring to get your kids signed up for the next year of confirmation, but we're still going to support it, you even though you're not in confirmation. Or we're still going to support you. We want to wrap up talking about some resources. Obviously, there's a podcast we should be talking about and how we partner with parents. But what are some maybe other resources that you use in your ministry as you partner and and help parents understand their role with uh, young people and and high school students? Yeah, I think, you know, I use the youth (laughs) e-source. And you're a writer. Yes. And that helps. Yeah, Yeah, so is Hannah. I think... I wrote down a lot of books that I've been reading. I didn't read a lot of books in college, but <laughs> but I've reread some of them or read them for the first time. And, you know, I think there's some Christian caregiving books that really help me in understanding. Mm-hmm. So like Pastoral Care Under the Cross by Richard yeah. Iyer yep. and Spirituality of the Cross by Gene Veith. Huge books to help with understanding people and pointing people to Christ and still loving them through that. My second year of ministry was kind of tough. And I reread a book that I read in college called My First Two Years in Youth Ministry. Mm, yep. And it helped me evaluate <laughs> myself mm-hmm. in ministry and how I was doing with engaging parents and supporting parents. I didn't really like the answers all the time, but it was still helpful. You know, I, when you talk about supporting parents, I'll, I'll mention one last book, and that's Chop Wood and Carry Water by Joshua Metcalf. 
It's a running narrative that's broken into short chapters and they all have to do with like servant leadership or being patient or some life lesson. And it's been really helpful for me to understand like, hey, I need to serve these people and I need to do whatever it takes. Like that's one of the more beautiful things I love about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is he did whatever it took. He was nervous in the garden at Gethsemane and still did what God the Father wanted. And I should be willing to give up whatever makes me nervous or anxious to follow Jesus. And so those are some books that help. But in terms of like, if you're looking for a resource, I personally think that there is no greater resource than your own creative mind <laughs> and, and seeing what your people need and mm -hmm. saying, how can we do this that fits our context? Because not every church needs family Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Some churches, regular Sunday school works really, really well for them. And you get adults engaged by being a, a volunteer in that sense. Whereas for us, that it doesn't, didn't work that way. You know, so we're getting parents involved by staying with their kids at Sunday school and doing the lesson and doing all the things with them. So using your creative mind, using sound judgment is is cool. Being willing to try new things that are going to fit your your context. I think, you know, having that self-trust that you can do that. Well, great. Thanks so much for joining us, Blake, and for your insight. We appreciate it. Thanks for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks again for, for having me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate how Blake and his pastor and their leadership, their congregation has uh, taken the time and energy to say parents are a priority mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. and we're going to take the time to evaluate. We're going to take the time to figure out what's going to work for our parents and our families and how can we make sure that we are partnering with them well and at keeping that goal in front of them as they do design and redesign and redesign over over the course of years. Yeah, I was saying like, again, that's where youth ministry is a unique thing where you've got a short amount of time if you think about it for the four years or however you define that. And so some of these things, the fruit may not happen for a number of years when you go through a transition or changes. Um, or the investment that you see, but yet hopefully our listeners are encouraged to see the Holy Spirit works through those conversations, sometimes hard conversations. I and mean, those, again, time and God's word that we may not see instant change or instant agreement, but boy, some beautiful things really come out of that when we engage with people, when we invest in them and encourage parents in their specific work with their young people. Yeah, I appreciate that Blake asks good questions and then figures out where those holes are. And okay, then that's uh, that's where we're going to build some resources, build some supports, you know, whether it's parents that aren't totally connected to social media, although tech, I feel like parents are grasping that more and more every year, but more helping them to kind of like, okay, what questions do you have yeah. that we need to answer and resource you with? Yeah, and I love the grace shown in that to help parents not feel like they have to be the experts in everything, but there's sure. a place that wants to walk with them. And maybe, you know, leaders don't even know every answer, but they'll find it. And then I love the grace shown when he talked about supporting parents in their decision. Right. I mean, there's no doubt. Oh, That's yeah. why I brought some tough discussions around confirmation activities, whatever it might be. But especially I think right now, maybe in a really difficult time of transition with the pandemic and the busyness, or at least feels busy of all the other things you got to figure out in life now. And man, the grace to show extended to parents in that and hopefully back to leadership too. It's like, we're trying right. to figure this out for the good of our young people. Let's work together on this. And I've seen a lot of youth leaders who over the years, for whatever reason, have thought they were doing something, doing the right, right. thing. And then they get feedback from parents and it's not quite right. And there is some ego in that. Yeah, there is sure. some, you know, hey, I worked really hard on this or, hey, we think that this is the right decision. And when parents make different decisions or maybe come out with different perspective, it is really important for youth leaders to be able to partner well by putting that down and putting that aside and listening uh, well and thinking out through that and coming to places where 
where we can all be sharing that same um, direction of, of wanting young people to be disciples of Jesus Christ for life. And and if that's the most important thing for both uh, groups, then we can figure mm-hmm. out how to do that mm-hmm. together. And maybe it's less is more. Maybe mm-hmm. right. it's um, different. Maybe it's um, you know being flexible with what we're asking of, of parents and families. Uh, there's lots of ways to do that, but keeping that in front of us is really, really valuable. So some closing questions for you to consider. How are you helping parents feel confident about talking about faith in their home with different resources? How are you or church leadership empathizing with parents in their current struggles or challenges parenting today? And how can you communicate with and work with non-traditional families in your youth ministry? We're going to continue to keep you in our prayers as you listen to, as you care for, as you partner with parents, guardians, and others who God has called to fill that role. May you have wisdom and compassion as you find ways to work together. Engel's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.